because I think that just the reality is uh, we always need help. And there's a certain amount of brokenness in us. There's a certain amount of things we just don't remember and need to be reminded of, things that we uh, have never done before and need to be demonstrated for us and that kind of thing. But I think he's got the fundamental right. We've been talking the last number of weeks. We're in the middle of a series on um, eight things we need to believe if we're going to be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus, that we're going to be unashamed witnesses, that we will be his witnesses, and to speak that gospel uh, out loud, to say those words. Eight things that we need to believe. This morning we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 21, where Paul tells us, where he says that we are, you are Christ's ambassador. We're in 14, reading through 21. Hear then the word of God. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but they might live for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard No one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So we implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we have gathered this morning as your church. We've gathered as those who have heard and known and loved your gospel. We thank you for the work that you have done in our lives, and we long to to so love it, to so know it, to so be saturated by its truth and its power that it would overflow from our lives and from our lips. Oh, we would be your witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and the ends of the earth. We would be the ambassadors of Jesus. Come near, Holy Spirit. Speak into our hearts and our lives with power and lift us up that we might be bold with the gospel. For we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a passage here that talks about what we have become. It talks about what we are, what we already are, because of who Jesus is and what he's done, and our faith is in him. It's a passage that talks about what we are, our identity in Christ. And so verse 17, I believe, stands at the center of this passage. A verse that if you've never memorized stands as one of the early ones in my life. You know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And behold, the old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. He's doing a new thing. And this stands, this, 
this new creation, this new creature that we are in Christ stands at the center of this passage as you look at the flow, which is what we're about to do. Um, and it controls it. So in verse 14, Paul says that the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all and that all have died. And if he died for all, all those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. Him who for their sake died and was raised. So the love of Christ compels us to controlling, the compelling driving force at the center of the Christian life, he says, is the love of Christ. Is what Christ has done for us what he has done in our lives, what he has made us to be. And so in verse 14 and 15, he goes on to say that when Christ died, we died. Right? One of those spiritual truths underneath all the things that we believe and say, we believe something spiritual has really happened. We didn't just change our mind. We didn't just change our morals. We didn't just rearrange our lifestyle. Something spiritual and something real has taken place. That when Christ died, we died too. And all of those who are united to Christ by faith died with him. So that when he rose, we rose. That all those we read a moment ago, we were baptized into Christ Jesus just as he was raised from the dead. So also we might live new lives. We died with him that we might live for him. So when Christ died, we died. All of us who are baptized into Christ are baptized. This is Romans 6.3. It's in your bulletin. Don't you know? All of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. And I believe that the baptism that he's talking about there is not so much water baptism as the the baptism of the Spirit. Uh, The Bible talks about two baptisms. The one that comes first is the baptism of the Spirit. It's supposed to be followed by, marked by, signed by, demonstrated outwardly what has happened inwardly, which is we've been baptized by the Spirit of God. That when we believed in Christ, we became connected to Him by, by His Spirit. That He pours out His Spirit in the lives of those who know Him and love Him and believe in Him. And, and that outpouring of the Spirit in the lives of His people, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, is the first thing. And then outwardly we say, this has happened to me. An internal, real thing has happened. Behold, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. Let's mark that with an outward sign and picture. When he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he rose again, we rose again. What he did, he did for us. That those who love him, those who know him, those who trust in him, and that what he did, he did for them, no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised. He did all so that we who live would no longer live for ourselves. This is the hardest part of Christianity. We don't get this one or do it very well. We, we say the words, but we wrestle. We wrestle to live for Jesus. To not live for ourselves in our own little kingdom and to live for his kingdom. To not, to not live with our own agenda and our own goals and our own plans, but to, but to embrace His goals and His plans. To enter into His kingdom, to be His servant, so that when He divvies out His talents and His gifts and, his, and the great abundance that is ours in Christ, that, that we would be faithful with all of that as we live for Him. That we would take up His cross daily, denying ourselves daily. 
and following Christ daily. He does it so that we would no longer live for ourselves, but that we would be His people. So that we would no longer see Jesus in the world in the same way. He says that this change changes everything. That when we live for the one who died and was raised again, and that we have experienced it ourselves, he said we no longer see people the same way. We no longer see the world in the same way. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead, but now I'm alive. Behold, in Christ I'm a new creation. And I see a world lost and perishing. I see a world that doesn't know Him. I see a world that doesn't know what I know, hasn't experienced what I experienced. And I no longer see the world this way. I no longer see Christ the way that I used to. He is now a precious Savior to me and a Savior being offered to the world. So in verse 16, this new eyes and new heart compels us, the love of Christ compels us into something else. So in verse 17, he says, Therefore, right, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh or Christ according to the flesh. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. A whole new created thing, a new creature. The old is passing away and the new has come. Recreated. The Bible talks about being born again. And so in 2 Corinthians 4, just the chapter before this one, in verse 6, I put it in your bulletin though, it's there for you. It says that God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Now when did God say, let light shine out of darkness? Let there be light. Every child in the room knows. When did God say, let there be light? Right? On that... First day of creation, right at the beginning of all things, in Genesis chapter 1, when he was creating things, when he was making this world, when he, when he started, and God, by the fiat and the power of his own word, speaks things into existence, when he says, let there be light, and there was light, and everything else follows in the power of his creation. And he says, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, he has shown in the same way, said the same thing, let there be light. Where does that light appear? He says it is shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We no longer see him the same way. We see the light of the knowledge of the glory of We know who he is. God become man. And though he was in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he took the form of a servant. The glory of God in the face of Christ. And it says, the God who said, let there be light, it says he did it again. In every heart that believes, every person that knows Jesus, it says, just like in the beginning, he said, let there be light, and and there was light. He says, for the same God said, let light shine out of darkness, as shown in our hearts. He said, let there be light. Let their eyes be open and let them see, let them know. Let them come to Christ. He did it again. In the light of new creation, he says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He says, behold. That's kind of a hard word. It's one of those Bible words. You know, it goes up there with thou or, you know, the the words that we know from it. And how many of you say, when's the last time you said, behold? Seriously, I mean in a serious way, you know, not just, but seriously just saying, behold, I have come. Or, you know, behold, my new car. 
you know. But it's a great word, though. I mean, it's a great word because it captures something that's hard to catch. You know, it's a word that means something like, and I wrestled with this, you know, and I've even, I think, said this before, but you, know, you look for an equivalent, and I think for me it would be something like, check this out. But it would be serious because there's a note of triumph in it, isn't there? There's a note of victory. There's a note of excitement. There's a note of something. And I want you, so when I say, check this out, I want you to see it. I want you to look at it, you know, and it can be, you know, behold, news come. Everything is different. God is doing something, right? A new creation, the old is passing away and check it out. You got to see this. You know, God is doing something new. It reminded me of Isaiah 43, which is there in your bulletin. Isaiah, speaking of these things, says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. The old old has passed away. He says, Behold, check it out. I am doing a new thing. And now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not check it out? Do you not see it? Do you not understand it? Something new. We are compelled by love and not living for ourselves, but living for Christ with new spiritual eyes, seeing the world in a way, because behold, we are new creations in Christ. The old is passing away and something new is going on. You know, when I first was reading this text, and again, I have to think back when I come to these things the first time, and you get to this point, and what do you expect Paul to talk about next? I already read it, but don't look back. You would almost expect him to talk about, I don't know, some other powerful things, you know, that God does, your new creation, and to talk about sanctification, and to talk about, I don't know, there's all kinds of stuff you could plug right there. Because everything is new, right? All of this, he says, is from God. Where does he go next? All of this is from God. This is the work of God. This this takes a creator. This This takes someone who can say, let there be light, and there is light. This takes someone who can shine in the heart where nobody else can reach. You know, where he can, he can bring life where there's death. All of this, this new creation is from God, the Almighty, the Creator, recreating, making, doing something new. How does he do it? Look at verse 19. All this is from God, 18, who through Christ or verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. How does he do it? Not counting their trespasses against them. Forgiveness. Through forgiveness. It's a very costly forgiveness. Christ died, and he died for all, that all who live in him might live, might be forgiven. And as those who, you know, who know this one would not live for themselves, would live as forgiven people, people compelled by his love to follow him, right? And, and, And he's reconciling a lost and broken world to himself. This is what he's doing. And he's doing it through the offer, the proclamation of forgiveness. I will not count your sins against you will forgive you if you will trust in Christ, if you will trust in the Savior, that what he did on the cross, he did for you. Right? That he paid the debt that you owe, he paid. The blood that he shed was shed for you as an atonement to cover 
you and what you have done. You know, this broken and alienated world, alienated because of our sin and because of our rebellion, he says Christ has taken the initiative. God has taken the initiative. All of this is from God who made the initiative to make right what was wrong, to heal what was sick and to fix what was broken. If anyone will put their trust in Christ, that when he died, he died for you. And if you will put your faith in Christ and embrace Him as your Savior, that when He was buried, He was buried for you. That when He rose, you rose. And He will forgive your sin and make you, He says, a new person in Christ. The old will pass away. But Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I'm new in Christ. It's new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The new has come. You know, it's hard to list all the new that has come because it's a full meal deal. You know, in some ways, a lot of the newness is just starting and, and, and there are foretastes of it and little pieces of it that break into our lives from the kingdom of God, but all things are being made new and there's so many. You know, we are born again and given a new spiritual self and it says that you've been created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness and so we have a new heart to be like Him, you know, as obedient children seeking to, to follow Him and to be like Him and so our lives are made new, our hearts are made new, we see with new eyes. But it says you've also been given a new relationship with God. You've been adopted into His family. You've become His children. You've become his very own, loved and accepted. It says we've entered into a new kingdom. He's delivered us out of the power of darkness and delivered us into the kingdom of his dear son, out of the, out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. That we exit the kingdom of the world, so to speak, and come under the kingship of Jesus. That I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, a Christian in that sense, a, a follower, a servant of King Jesus before I'm even an American. Because it doesn't matter what country I live in. I serve King Jesus. And that everything else is second. It's new. But what I want us to see this morning, that in all of this newness and where Paul goes with this, is that in Christ we have a new identity that he gives us. And in this passage, where he goes with it is to give us an identity as ambassadors for Jesus. But that's where he goes. It's a little surprising, at least it was to me. Because it's such a powerful passage as he talks about the compelling force of love, of Christ's love in our lives, about, about what Christ has done for us and the abandonment of living for ourselves and now to live for him and, and the newness of eyes. And I remember it distinctly when I became a Christian and I began to see the world completely differently. I remember celebrating my first Christmas as a Christian and walking around and looking at the moon um, and, and just seeing and thinking of the Creator God and worshiping for the first time. Not the moon, but the Creator. You know, the new eyes and what God has done. He says all these new things, but He says what I want you to understand, it's central to this new creation that I have made you. This thing that I am doing is I'm making you ambassadors. For Jesus. We all have roles and identities. Right? Some of you are sons. It's what you are. It's really not whether you're going to be a son. You are a son. But the question is, are you going to be a good son? Maybe a bad son. But you are a son. A son, a daughter. 
Maybe you're a husband. Maybe you're a wife. It's what you are. It's not just about what you do. I think it should affect what you do. It should radically change what you do. But it's what you are when you took those vows and you became something. Right? We all have these identities. I remember getting married and how that changed. I was 23. She was 22. We got married and we went to, uh, to uh, Sanibel Island in Florida for our honeymoon. And I remember that whole first week when you would check in places, you write things down, and you'd write Mr. and Mrs. Robert Johnson. I remember just like giggling to myself, like, it is just so funny, you know? And I would say, you know, we'd meet people along the way, and I'd be like, this is my wife. <laughs> like, how weird is that? Like, I am her husband. You know, there's this identity. It is. I took vows, and things changed. I was something else. I had an identity that I couldn't escape. If I'd wanted to, which I would never want to. I'm a very happily married man. To this day, truly, an identity that I own and delight in. Um, And that is true. But there's this, you know, it's the same thing as I became a minister. I came here, I was 33, 34 years old. Um, 33 when I came, 34 when I got ordained in this very room on this very stage at the age of 34, I took ordination vows and it was the same thing, I remember the first time somebody called me Reverend Johnson I'm just like (laughs) me? are you talking to me? Reverend Johnson, you know, Pastor Johnson hey preacher okay, I guess I am Uh, yeah, Uh, an identity And, and this is the thing we have I think part of our problem with as Christians, sometimes is identity crisis. We don't know who we are. Right? We don't know what we are. You know, like when I took those vows, I did become Reverend Johnson, like it or not. You know, Pastor Johnson, you know, preacher, hey, preacher. You know, whatever it was, but I had an identity. And until those vows, until those ordination, you know, they are stripped from me, that's what I am. Even if I get fired or I move from here and I'm without call, I'm still, I'm still ordained pastor it's an identity unless it's taken in christ we have these amazing identities that are given to us and and it's our lack it's our identity crises of not knowing who we are in christ that keeps us from fulfilling our and being all that he has called us to be and he calls us in the middle of all of this you are a new creation you've been born again and i have just like an ordination or a marriage or something like your identity has changed you are something else. And he, and he tells us what it is. Central to this identity is, according to Paul, you are ambassadors on this planet for Jesus Christ. It's who you are. It's what you are. No matter what you do, the question might be, are you a good one or a bad one? But you are one because you claim his name. And it's part of who you are. And that's, that's the, the power of this passage. See, Paul, this is, in, and, I did, and I wanted to say, let me, <coughs> allergy season, I think ragweed is starting. <coughs> you know, for, Paul, for this passage, some people say, well, this is Paul saying we, the apostles, are, you know, ambassadors, and that this doesn't apply to everyone. And I just, I would just say, without making a lot of argument about it this morning, it's just not true. I do believe that it's true of Paul, and I do believe he is an ambassador. I believe as he speaks for himself and the apostles, he is, in that sense, still um, 
laying the foundations of the church that would survive him, uh, the ongoing church, that the gospel, the apostolic gospel is a deposit given to the church. It didn't pass away with the apostles as ambassadors and sent ones. It was deposited in the church by the apostles. They deliver the apostolic gospel to us in its fullness, in passages like this, in so many places. But it's, it's like a baton that's handed off from generation to generation to generation. We, the church of Jesus Christ, are the ambassadors and those who stand and represent and speak for Christ in every generation. And the mission is an ongoing mission, the identity that is given to you and me. Look at the flow that comes here. Because in verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And it, and it unfolds very quickly. We're just doing like three verses here. This is just seconds. Unfolds in Paul's mind. You are a new creation. And he says, all of this new creation stuff, it's from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Right? It starts with you. What he did in your life, how he called you, how he opened your eyes to see Jesus for who he is, to love him and to trust him and to walk with him. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself and immediately, immediately as part of this new creation and the reconciliation that's taking place for us, he gave us the ministry. Right? In the reconciling process, the new creation process, he gave us a ministry. See how quickly it comes? How, how integral it is to what he is saying. Behold, you are, you, you, you are a new creation in Christ. The old is going, the new is coming. You've been reconciled to God and he gave to you the ministry. He goes on from there in verse 19, that is, in Christ, tells us what it is, the message that, that in Christ God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, their forgiveness of our sins. And then he entrusted to us the message. It always struck me. He gave us the ministry. He entrusted us the message. Right? The left hook and the right hook. Here's the ministry. Here's the message. Right? This is who you are. You know, the ministry that you have, the calling that you have, the service. In fact, the word ministry right there is a word, a diac- diaconian. Uh, it's related to diakonos, the word deacon. It literally means serve. You know, our deacons are servants. It's what the word means. There's a verb form of it, to serve. And here is another noun form of it. It's the ministry, the diaconon of reconciliation. That the ministry of the church, the service, we serve the gospel. And Paul says that there are at least twice in his letters. I didn't write them down this morning. But there are at least twice that Paul says of this gospel, which I have become its servant. You know, for Paul to serve Christ is to serve his gospel. To follow Christ is to be his ambassador. They come together. The new creation includes this identity. When you're born again, he says, I've given you a ministry. I've given you a message. Therefore, verse 20, we are Christ's ambassadors. Right? Therefore, do you know what we are? Like if he's given us this ministry, he's given us this message, we're new in Christ, the old is going, the new is coming, and he's given and he's entrusted, he says, therefore, you know what we are? We're ambassadors for Jesus. As, and I love the power of the, the phrase that follows, you say, well, what does an ambassador do? God making his appeal through us. Right? Isn't that the job of an ambassador? 
you know, you're part of this kingdom here. I'm your king. And so, Richard, I'm going to send you to the kingdom next door. I want you to go. You're my ambassador. You go with my power. Thanks, man. Uh, You go. You represent me. Right? And so what you do over there, behave, because you represent you represent me. And I want you to, I got a message, you know, I want you to deliver. And so he goes and he stands and he represents me and he speaks for me and he delivers my message. And that's what an ambassador does, as though I were making my appeal to them through rich. You are his ambassador, he says, as though God were making his appeal. What appeal? Be reconciled to God. Right? That's what he says next. You know, We implore you on behalf of Christ. Here's the appeal. Be reconciled to God. And so he's given us this message, this ministry, and made us his ambassadors and given us this, this appeal as though he were making his appeal to a lost and broken world, alienated and apart from God. And, in, and the cry is this. Be reconciled to God. He will not count your sins against you if you will trust in Christ that what he did, he did for you. It's simple. Paul says, I knew nothing among you except this. Christ and him crucified. That's all I got. I can tell you my story. I can look for answer questions. But at the bottom line, what are you going to do with this Jesus? He will forgive your sins if you will put your trust in him. J.I. Packer says there in your bulletin, God's way of saving men is to send out his servants to tell them the gospel. Right? It's God who saves. It's by His Spirit and by His power. It is only God who can say, let light shine in the darkness of somebody's heart so that they might see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. But this is it. He does it through His ambassadors. It's an amazing thing. But it's the clear, consistent teaching of the Bible. He does it through His ambassadors. He does it through his people, through the folly of what is preached, the appeal. Matthew 28, 19, and then you just touch these, and that really, that really is it. Matthew 28, go, therefore, make disciples, go. You know, by the, by the, it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who does this work, but go. Go and speak the name. You know, Acts chapter 1, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Only God can do any, can change you and can change them. But here's the thing, you're going to be my witnesses. Here, in Jerusalem, in Judea, here, in Chattanooga, and in the Hickson area, and in Tennessee. You're going to be my witnesses. Matthew 24, 14, he says, This gospel of the kingdom will be pro- proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The end hasn't come, and it hasn't been, this isn't done. Right? So it can't be just Paul who's got this ministry. It will be, the gospel will be proclaimed throughout the whole world to all the nations. It will. And it's not done. We are. We are. His ambassadors. As though he were making his appeal to this lost world through us. Christian disciples are sent men and women, sent out into the same work of world evangelism to which the Lord Jesus was sent and for which he gave his life. Evangelism is not an optional accessory to our lives. It's the heartbeat of all that we are called to be and to do. And that's what I want us to see in this passage. If nothing else, what's the application? It's this. Do you not know, as Paul would often say, that we are his ambassadors? 
and that God is appealing to a lost world through us. You are his ambassador. Wherever you are, you're his ambassador there. Are you in a workplace? Are you in school? Are you a parent in a family? You are an ambassador to your children to make the appeal. Are you at work, in school, in that restaurant, where you live, where you work, where you play, wherever we are? We're moving towards people. We're talking to people. We're being hospitable. Whoever walks through the doors of this church, I would hope everybody is looking for them and moving toward them, moving toward them and talking with them so that they would have the opportunity. We are His ambassadors. God's way of saving men is to send out His servants to tell them the gospel. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. You are His ambassador. We will not be unashamed of the gospel. So we just know who we are, are comfortable with who we are, love who we are, that we may be used of God. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you that uh, you have reconciled us to yourself, that you have started with us. You have not counted our sins against us. You have forgiven us. As we trust in Christ that what he did, he did for us. And we do embrace Him as Savior and Lord and King. And we delight to be a new creation in Christ. We desire to be useful to you and to your kingdom. We are. We are your ambassadors. Capture our hearts and our minds and our imagination with this truth. That we may be useful instruments in your hands. Make your appeal through us. In the name of Jesus we ask. Amen.